A film projector is a storyteller. It does this by taking a film reel that consists of thousands of images. Light is then passed through each frame, projecting an image onto a canvas. These images in sequence can tell us a powerful story of happiness, sadness, or even humor. Our lives in many ways are like a film projector. Every action we take and word we speak builds the narrative of a story God is wanting to tell through us. Even though we all have different backgrounds, we have a choice of what we will project when the light of God shines through us. So what would someone see if they watched the movie of your life? Would they see light or darkness? Would they see life or death? Would they see love? Would they see grace? Would they see faith? Would they see Jesus? If you want them to see Jesus in you, let me hear your hands this morning. Talking about our mission statement after talking about our values, the foundation on which ministry is built here. And I want our mission statement to be more than a motto or something we say that unifies us, but something that actually identifies and describes what God has called us to. Berean Church exists to extend hope and wholeness to broken humanity. And we started last week with the end of the statement, broken humanity. And about halfway through, um, there were some comments like, can we turn the page? Can we move on? I know that part of that was pretty negative, but I think we have to see how broken our world is in order to really understand God's calling on our life. So I want to go to the front end of that this morning to talk about what it means to extend. And that was a word that we chose specifically. We talked about, are we here to offer hope and wholeness? And that just didn't seem forceful enough. Like you're going to a buffet and they offer you a variety of choices. Is that all God wants us to do is offer that if you happen to want it? Uh, does it mean to give it? How many know that you can't give anyone anything in the spiritual realm? You can't make them respond. You can't give them life. And that seemed to be too aggressive, but we felt like the word extend captured the idea of offering with intent, that we want to extend to a broken world something that God has for them. We can make an offer, we can't enforce acceptance, but we can offer it with intentionality. Is that making sense to you this morning? So we're going to take a little bit of time, this will be a little bit more like a Bible study this morning, um, to try to get us to understand what that means, because it's not enough for us to make it to heaven. We need to take people along the journey with us. How many of you believe that? We need to get people coming with us. So this idea, what is behind that and what's behind it biblically? The idea of extending something, um, I want to begin with this thought, that that concept begins with us. It begins with us. It doesn't begin with them. It begins with us. We have to make 
a decision, a choice. It's an interesting word that has some biblical base behind it. Let me tell you what the word means, and then we're going to attach some scriptures to it. What do you mean by it begins with us? Well, the word extend means to stretch out. One of the definitions is to stretch out to the fullest, to fully stretch out, to extend. And I think that really does capture what the church ought to be engaged in, that we are fully stretched out in reaching the world around us. Paul said it this way, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You don't find anywhere in scripture that it says, give it a try, take a chance. Maybe you could accomplish something, give it a shot. It's give it your all, fully extend yourself. And so I'm going to ask you some questions that I hope make you as uncomfortable as it made me while I was prepping the message. Where in your life can your heart for the lost be described as fully extended, fully stretched out? Where are we doing that to the full? I'm afraid that for most Christians, the idea of reaching out to a lost world is marked primarily by happenstance or unignorable opportunities, that we need to have a stronger mindset about the lost and dying world, fully stretched, reaching out to broken people. Much in the church would change if we're more focused on stretching out than we were by reaching in. It also means to exert at full capacity. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. <laughs> oh, how many want to turn this page to? Again, think about your life. We were on our way to hell. We met Jesus and he set us on a course toward heaven. All of you that do not know Jesus, raise your hand and come to the altar. <laughs> Seems like it's most of the house. That should have stirred us a little bit. Let me try this again. Do you remember what hell is? Yes. We were on our way to hell. We met Jesus and he set us on a path toward heaven. Hallelujah for that. That's the good news of the gospel. And the world needs to hear that. The world needs to know that. So where am I not only reaching out as far as I can, where am I exerting full capacity? For many Christians, they almost have to ask us for an invitation before we'll give one. His last command should be our first concern. Go into all the world and build discipleship groups. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yes, make disciples, but everything about the gospel is talking to us about doing something other than just trying to get by. It also means to move at full stride. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. The principle here is if you're going to engage in the Christian race, you need to run with all of your strength. It has to do with exertion, full stride. The run, running the race means running to win. 
Example of a racehorse giving everything that it has. And I, I just imagine, I don't know how many runners we have in the room. I, I'm going to buy a, buy, buy a shirt that says, the only way I'm running is if something's chasing me. <laughs> or bomb squad, and on the back it says, if I'm running, try to keep up. It's not talking about the emergency running. I, I'm not quite sure how to do this and have it really work the way I want it to. But this idea of beginning with us has to do with a mindset. Now I know in the balcony you can't see me when I get on the main floor, um, but you can still hear, I think. And our approach tends to be more like this. Barry, you're going to be the person I want to introduce to Jesus. And then I'll talk to three or four people and then, oh, before I talk to them, I need to take a couple courses. I need to memorize a few more verses. But the idea is full stride. If God puts me or puts a burden in my heart, I should run to him. I should run to him in a spiritual sense of engaging all of my capacity to get the gospel to him. And I'm not suggesting overwhelming people, but I will tell you I've not seen an American church that was in danger of overwhelming people with their aggressive nature of evangelism. It's almost like they have to learn the secret handshake before they can hear about going to heaven. I'm talking about something, it starts with us. We can curse the world, we can curse the darkness, we can talk about how bad it is, but it begins with us. If this world is going to change, it doesn't begin with politics, it doesn't begin with social programs, it doesn't begin with methodology, it begins with us. What is in our heart toward reaching people who haven't heard about Jesus, we need to extend something to them. We need to be engaged in that. We need to have that kind of purpose. How many of you ever gone to a restaurant? It's a great experience. The rest of you should try it. <laughs> Have you ever gone into a restaurant and wondered, does anyone here want to take my order? <laughs> Where in the world? Listen, when I go into a restaurant, I'm not trying to be mean, but you, <laughs> but you are being paid to serve me. Maybe not much, I get it. But don't you think within 20 minutes I ought at least get a glass of water? And somebody to feign some kind of interest that I'm there? We were in a restaurant once and sat there and sat there and sat there. And this was when I had more capacity. Sat there for 45 minutes and our order hadn't come yet. They'd taken it. And finally I got up and said, this is ridiculous. Where's our order? Well, we burned it and we had to start over. Well, what they brought me wasn't hot. And I said, do you think that anyone, and honestly, I said, do you think that anyone here might have had enough concern for me as a customer to let me know why we were waiting for 45 minutes? 
I'm not trying to be mean, I'm because there are some great places. Boy, when you walk in and they smile and you're glad, they're glad you're there and they get you the order and make sure it's all okay and they want to serve you, you want to go back to that place, don't you? And we too often act like, oh, you're lucky we let you in our building. We need to fully extend, fully engage, fully stretch out, run to them and let them know that we want to extend something toward them. I'm not talking about being a spiritual Amway salesman. I'm talking about being passionate about lost people that need to hear the message. When you see someone new, don't ask someone else who they are. Go introduce yourself to them and find out who they are. Come on, someone help me this morning. This is going to take till this afternoon at this rate. I'm talking about it begins with us. It starts with us. There's something that has to awaken in us that we're hungry to reach people. And the last thing the word extend means is to increase the scope. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. What is the heart of God? Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. We need to increase our scope that everyone around us needs to hear the gospel message. We need to reach them regardless of race, creed, socioeconomic status, looking around for opportunities. We, um, some of you remember this, but I just want to challenge us. Do we really want it to start with a burden in our heart? We prayed for, for quite some time that God would open a door to the apartments next door, and then he did. And we said, God, why did you? We had a summer that there were police cars up there about every other week, and we had parents, and I get this, we were doing everything, everybody was safe, there never was a problem that wasn't dealt with, we responded to it in a healthy way, and some parents got upset and said, I can't bring my kids where there, where there are kids like that, and I get the idea of safety, and we were doing everything to make them safe, but God forbid, God forbid that we would say someone is too lost for us to reach out to them. Come on, is there anyone in the house? I'm saying it starts with us. We have to want to reach people. We have to care about people. We have to fully extend, fully stride, expand our scope and understand who God wants to reach. He wants to reach rich people and poor people. He wants to reach all ethnicities, every person on the planet. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that homosexuals perish. He's not willing that witches perish. He's not willing that Satanists perish. He's not willing that atheists should perish. Is anyone hearing me this morning? We need to broaden our scope that we are not going to just reach people who are like us, but we want to reach people who aren't like us, that every soul on the planet needs to be reached for the kingdom. And why not here? Why not now? Why not engage in our mission and extend something? But it starts with us starts with us we cannot sit back and wait for them to come attractional evangelism still begins with us that we're wanting to open the door and engage people in the gospel message secondly not only does it begin with us it requires something from us <laughs> It requires 
an outward focus. I'm starting to feel anointed. Or self-righteous. I'm not quite sure the difference right now. I want to rattle your cage a little. What does the Bible say? Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. They're all ready. Where are we looking? All of my life in ministry, I've watched people upset about people that are leaving. And I think, just hear me for a moment. If people want to leave because this doesn't fit for them and they have a relationship with Christ, Bless them on the way out the door. Because we should be more concerned about who might come in rather than who might go out. Rather than watching for who might have their feelings hurt and walk away, we need to be thinking about people out there that are lost, that haven't heard the message, that haven't had an opportunity, and say to ourselves, why are not more people coming in the door and not design a facility that makes us comfortable, but design a facility that makes us more welcoming and engaging? Well, why do we need that? You don't, but they do. An outward focus. I'll never forget. On Sunday nights for a while, (laughs) we had prayer meetings until people quit coming. But we had some really powerful prayer times. And and one particular night, I felt like God was moving among us. And I said, we're going to just pray and ask God to show you something. Ask, uh, listen for his voice. And we're going to share that together. And I'm not given to visions and dreams. But God often lets me see something to help me understand. And while I was praying, I had this this image that came in front of my mind that is real now as it was then. I saw Iowa cornfields. And the corn was that golden brown, you know, that ready for harvest brown. How many know what I'm talking about? That looked like is about ready for the combines to come out. In fact, past ready for the combines to come out. And I saw a handful of workers and they were eating lunch and they were joking around and they were eating sandwiches and they were having a little fellowship time. And they're right there on the edge of the field. And I said, God, why is the corn standing so erect and the people are so unengaged he said it's because my field is more ready to be harvested than my harvesters are ready to go into the field I've never forgotten that image the field is ripe for harvest Jesus didn't ever tell us to pray that God would bring in a harvest he told us to pray that harvesters would be sent into the harvest to pray for harvesters. We have to have an outward focus. We get so internal, and I know it's the nature of that, and I don't think that's a big problem here, but I don't want it to be a big problem that we're evaluating everything about by what makes us comfortable and our needs being met, and are we being helped? That's not what should be happening. It should focus on an outward focus. I heard a story this morning. I don't know if I can tell it accurately, but I'll tell it as close as I remember. Incredible things are happening in our Connect Group ministry. And there was a couple that, there is a couple that attend here and a son in his late 20s that had written church off altogether. But he was willing to come to a Connect Group because there was food. 
man after my own heart, hallelujah. Went and began to engage with people and interact with them and then was willing to come with his mother to church and then came for a while and God began to minister to him and then he had job, took him to another part of the country and they went with him and the group was saying to him, you need to find a church. This was a young man that a few weeks before wanted nothing to do with God or church but got in a group and from that group got involved here and then moved and asked his mother to help him find a church what is that that is an outward focus on reaching people with the gospel not about making it a fine little club for believers to be comfortable I'm talking about looking outward who are we not reaching who are not because we're here to extend it's an action word it's purpose we're not here just to receive we're here to extend. And it means if we're going to extend, if it requires something of us in addition to an outward focus, <laughs> it means we're in possession of something to share. That means we must have something worth sharing. To the angel of the church of Sardis, write, I know your deeds that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. We have a testimony. We are a Pentecostal church. Look up the word Pentecostal in the dictionary and you'll find a definition in many places that will talk about the supernatural, the miraculous, the gospel, what we believe. We have a testimony that means something, but we need to have substance that backs up that testimony. It's not just a resume created by your grandmother. It's an actual reporting of what's happening in your life. We need to have a demonstration of our testimony. Do you know what false prophets are described as? Springs without water, mist driven by the storm. The blackness of darkness is reserved for them. Clouds and winds without rain is a man who boasts of gifts he does not give. We need to have something to offer. We need to have an experience that is worth sharing. My wife gets frustrated with me. I know, I know you cannot imagine that ever happening. I'm just a fuzzy teddy bear, just lovable, huggable. And sometimes, you know what really gets upset with her? It gets her upset. Gets her upset. What, how did I say, whatever that means. Is we'll have someone in our house and I'll offer something we don't have. Uh, hey, would you like a Coke? We don't have any Coke. I didn't say I was going to give it to them. I just wondered what they wanted. Because if they said, yes, I want a Coke, Casey's is down the road. Go get one and bring some back. I do it all the time. I don't consider what we have before I make an offer. That is ridiculous. Right? Frustrating, right? Why did you offer that? We don't have that. If we are going to be the church... And we're going to extend ourselves. We better have something to offer when they get here. Hello? That means your worship 
Listen to me. Your worship experience this morning isn't about you being blessed. It's about you being empowered so that there's someone here who doesn't know Jesus. They can see what that looks like. Well, I don't feel like worshiping. Then you don't care. Listen, I don't want to be rude, but you don't care about people going to hell because not just about you. When a lost person comes in, they need to see an engaged, hungry congregation that's going hard after God. And when they see a people, they're going hard after God and worshiping. And it may get strange from time to time. I'm telling you that the secrets of their hearts will be revealed and they'll say God was in the house and they'll be hungry for that because it's not all about you. It's about people that need to see there's something real here that we're passionate about, that we care about, and we have something to offer. I appreciate our worship team. I love the way they worship on the platform. But if they're worshiping on the platform and no one's worshiping out here, a new person coming in that needs Jesus is going to say, that's a farce, that's a joke, it's a show. But when they're worshiping and we're worshiping and God begins to move and people are responding to the Spirit of God, we're saying, there is something here that's real and we want to extend it to you. We have something worth having. We have something worth having. It requires something out of us, something to share. And it requires an intentional expression. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason of the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Evangelism isn't just sharing. Evangelism is sharing with intent. Here's what I mean by that. How many of you have ever worked a sales job, commission sales? Raise your hand. Isn't that a horrible job to have sometimes? <laughs> and here was my weakness as a commission salesperson. I've had several of those jobs over time. Someone is pastoring to try to pay the bills. And it is, it is really, really depressing when you can't make a sale and there's nothing in the offering. You know, that's a bad, a bad day. But I knew the product. And I could explain it, and I could make it um, attractive. But if you said no, I was willing to accept that. Do you know what you call that person? Broke. <laughs> because if, <laughs> if I meet with you to share a product that I'm going to receive money for in a commission... I am not sharing it to enrich your intelligence. I'm not trying to help you just understand a product. I have an intention. Hello? That intention is to get you to buy. Some years ago, a pseudo friend invited me to a lunch, a dinner at his house. Began to describe the dinner. We're going to give you a business opportunity. And if you're in Amway, good for you. I'm glad for you. Don't talk to me about it, but I'm glad for you. I'm glad for you, really. I'm not anti-Amway. I'm just anti-salespeople who don't have any boundaries. Okay? So this friend says, want you and your wife to come for supper. And I said, is this an Amway meeting? He said, no, we're just, we're just going to get together and hang out. And I said, is this an Amway meeting? Well, there'll be some other people there. And wouldn't answer my question. So I said, look, here's what's going to I'm coming. My wife won't, but I'm coming. And the first time I hear the word Amway, I'm going to jump up, kick over your coffee table, break out your windows, and drive home. And don't think I'm kidding. And he said, 
It's an Amway meeting. <laughs> I, I probably would, I wouldn't have broke the windows, but I would have kicked the table over. But anyway, that's because Jesus kicked over tables. He didn't break windows. So I, See, I don't have any problem if you're honest with your intent. I have a problem when you're trying to conceal your intent. I don't like people to make friends with me so that they can get me to buy something. Tell me up front. You don't want to be my friend. You want to be my money. I'll have my money. I'll respect you and we'll still have a good conversation. And we can't reach out to people and try to manipulate them into the kingdom. But they need to know straight up that the reason we're engaged in your life is I have something to offer you that's life changing. And don't think for a minute I'm going to ignore that. I'm a child of God on the way to heaven. And I've got something you need to have and I want you to hear about that and I want to walk with you and love you and care for you along the way but I'm not here to just teach you religion I want to bring you into the presence of Jesus intentional expression it requires something of us an outward focus something to share and purpose in our expression so if it begins with us and it requires something of us, then it must come from us. It must come from us. What is it that will be the toolkit for us to make an extending action towards someone? Well, there are three things I want you to consider that I believe God's calling us to, and I, I hope something will burn in our hearts this morning. This has worked on me and I've soaked in it all week long about what does it mean to extend. The first way that you're going to extend is with a godly lifestyle. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. You extend without saying a word. This is who Jesus is. The video, when they watch you and look at you, will they see Jesus in you? And I'm not good at this all the time. I, I'm working on it all the time, but I'm not always good at that. Because when I'm in the restaurant and somebody is being rude, I want them to see Jesus in me more than I want a hot meal. Now, I think I can have both. But we need to be aware that people are watching us all the time. Not to put you under bondage or condemnation because you know, um, do you know the best way to keep your story straight? Always tell the truth. Then you don't have to remember it. How do you not be a liar? Always tell the truth. It's simple. How do I get out of condemnation of trying to do the right thing? Just be a Christian. I watched a comedian who was a Christian and now is an atheist and said, I used to be a Christian and the hardest thing about being a Christian is trying to be right all the time and better than everybody else. And I thought, I don't know where you experienced Christ, but I don't want to create that image. I want to live my life in such a way that it is attractional, that they see something in me that's different than the world, that I bring light into the room, that I bring um, uh, assault into their lives, that I'm having an influence. And we do that by the way that we live. And if you're a jerk... Will you stop telling people you're a Christian? Wow, that wasn't even in my notes. That just kind of, that was anointed. <laughs> that was anointed. I'm going to write that. In fact, I'm going to say that again. That was, that was good stuff. If you're a jerk, 
Quit telling people you're a Christian because you are not. You're just a jerk. And I say that with love in my heart. (laughs) Because we're to live in a way that people watch you. And when are they going to watch you? They're going to watch you when you get sick. They're going to watch you when you lose your job. They're going to watch you when the world breaks down around you. And they're going to see in those moments what you're really made of. And I'm absolutely convinced that sometimes we will go through the fire of affliction so the world can see what is really there. And hopefully, when you burn away all the externals for me, hopefully my prayer, oh God, my prayer is that somehow they will see Jesus in me. A broken person with flaws, not perfect. I'll make mistakes, but I'll apologize apologize and I will rectify it and I will do the right things and I'll reach out to you but I want them to see in the way that I live that there's something different about us and I'm not striving it's who I am I don't have to work at being an island because that's who I am I'm a corn-fed Iowa boy Now, if I were to try to be a Texan, I'd have to work at it. Hello? Big hat, big belt buckle. And I've met people that can be anything they are, wherever they are. I heard it described this way. This guy was six foot tall and full of water because he could form to any environment he found himself in. You see, I don't have to try to be. It's who I am. I also know there are parts of me that it's how I am that need to be changed and need to be shaped. It's not an excuse. But I'm saying I want to be a child of God so that I look like a child of God. Second, what must come from us? A godly lifestyle. You know what else should come from us? Signs and wonders. (laughs) We need to get hungry for the supernatural. Because that's how we're going to reach this world. Oh, it got real quiet, mainly because I quit talking. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word with signs that accompanied it. God intends for us to shake the strongholds of this world with supernatural signs and wonders, that miracles will take place. We are not simply natural followers of Christ. We're called to a supernatural lifestyle. And we've got to get hungry for that. When that first church that I pastored, there's a man in the church, his name was Jim Oltrogi. And Jim Oltrogi was used in miraculous ways more than anyone I ever saw. And I wasn't bothered by that. In fact, to tell you the truth, if we were praying for someone and nothing happened, I'd send them over to Jim and I'd go to the next one and begin to talk to the next one and pray for them. And there were miracles that happened, but I never saw anyone like him. The story that he shared of a man who died at a, at a farm auction and his lips were blue. There was no response, no breathing, no pulse rate. And he laid his hands on, prayed, him in tongues, prayed for him in tongues and God raised him from the dead. 
out and then he went to the hospital and led him to Jesus. That was normal everyday life for Jim Oltrugi. If you wanted to talk about the supernatural, talk to Jim. He would tell you story. He would take all day. It'd wear you out. I knew when he, my wife will tell you, I knew when he called. It was like, do I answer this? Because it's going to be two hours and a half of stories of what Jesus is doing. And I wondered, what's the secret? What's the secret? And God spoke to his heart and said, not only do I want you to tithe your money, I want you to tithe your time. And he got up early every morning, and the math isn't right. For, I know the math isn't right, but you pray that long, and then you can correct the math. He got up every morning and prayed two hours and 40 minutes before he did anything, talked to God, walked with God, listened to God, soaked in the word every morning for two hours and 40 minutes because he was hungry to see God heal the sick this is really going to rattle you a bit I imagine but he so believed in healing there was a parole officer in our town that he'd been witnessing to and the parole officer's son had a ear infection that was going to require some surgery and I forget all they were going to do and he said would you come and pray for my son so Jim went over to the this guy was not a believer he went to he was religious but not a believer his son wasn't in church he was about 10 or 11 years old and he began to share with him about scriptures about divine healing and what Jesus wanted to to do and this man said I believe will you pray for my son and he said no you're going to you're going to show your son that you believe what I've just told you you say you can't do that you can't have a sinner pray for a sinner you can't don't tell me what can or can't happen share the word of God and follow his spiritual leading and he said that man laid his hand on his son's head prayed for him in Jesus name and the pain was gone he was instantly healed and would you be surprised if I told you a week later that man made a commitment of his life to Jesus Christ because these signs will follow them that believe we need to be hungry for that well pastor yeah we'd love to see a few more miracle magic tricks out of you No, 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 no. It's out of all of us, out of our lives. Is anybody hearing me this morning? This is not an option. It's not a cool thing so that Christians from all over the world will come and see what's happening. It should happen at street corners, in connect groups, at a coffee shop, with your sharing with someone in the park to just believe God for something supernatural to happen. When you're proclaiming the word of God, when you proclaim it, we need to expect God to elevate us to another level. Not to attract a crowd from Europe, but so that we will win the lost in Pleasant Hill. We should expect signs and wonders. And last, not only does it require a lifestyle and the supernatural, it requires a verbal expression. So I get frustrated when I hear, I believe in a godly lifestyle. I believe that your godly lifestyle testifies. Yes. So they will see your father, your good works, glorify your father in heaven. Yes. But don't misunderstand me. I am so tired of hearing Christians say, well, you know what St. Francis of Assisi said? Preach always. And if necessary, use words. It is necessary to use words. Your lifestyle isn't enough. Signs and wonders isn't enough. What has to go along with that is a verbal expression of the gospel. How shall they believe in the one 
in, of whom they have not heard, and how will they hear without a preacher? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him that preaches, that proclaims good news. Anytime that people made a response to Jesus, it was accompanied with a verbal expression of the gospel. The witness must have a lifestyle, but it must have a verbal witness that we are going into all the world and preaching the good news to all creation. You are not done until you share with someone the good news of Jesus Christ with the intent of seeing them surrender their life to him. That may be a process. That may be months. It may be years. But I'm telling you, there'll be a point where you will be able to speak directly into someone's life. So we shouldn't be satisfied. Listen, we should not be satisfied with simply saying, I'm trying to live a good life. Can I ask you? Can I challenge you? Can I prod you? Can we begin to believe God for supernatural signs and wonders? And this has been my passion all of my life. Not supernatural signs and wonders that happen in the church building as much and wonderful as that is, but begin happening in the marketplace, on the job, in the people around you. Because here, I've watched it. You see how it's happening. It takes place with miracle water or convincing someone they've been healed that wasn't sick. I could go on with those stories that you see happening all around in the Elmer Gantry snake oil Pentecostals that are out there. But no one can argue when it's not in front of the lights. And it should happen here too. Absolutely. But I'm praying, God, give us a revival of marketplace supernatural ministry so that someone you run into, wouldn't it be wonderful to see someone in Lowe's and pray for them and God heals them and people gather around and they throw you out. Hallelujah. That would be incredible. we'll be known for something we'll be known for something we have a Casey's right across the street when we have when we have teen Bible quiz I order pizzas anywhere from 12 to 17 or 18 pizzas depending on how many kids so I walked into Casey's on Friday I walk up to the pizza counter and the gal behind the counter, (laughs) she looked at me and she said, are you that church guy from across the street? (laughs) And I'm saying, sure, someone need healed? Someone need saved? Need to cast devils out of this place? Do you want me to quote some scripture for you? I've got a sermon ready if you want me to pray. You know, I'm thinking what I said, uh, I said, I am, do I know you? And she said, no, but we know you. (laughs) What in the world? You're the pizza guy. (laughs) We'll be known for something. But I'm telling you what, I'm after her. I want to be more than the pizza guy to her. We had a great conversation. And when I picked up the pizzas, um... Leanne, I'm, please don't report this back and get anyone in trouble. Um, she, I said, does it bother you when I come in? And she said, no, I work hard. I can't speak for everyone else. Some people are lazy here. But, I, but she said, I like to work hard. No, I'm glad when you come in. And then she was done talking and she had other work to do, more pizzas to make, I suppose. But I'm looking for a door everywhere I go. 
Is there some way I can work in? Yeah, I'm the pizza guy. So then, how does that? Let me show you how this works. So I order, how hard is this? I order the pizzas at the counter. I go over to the cash register to pay and I can't pay because she canceled my order. Now I have a choice right there. Come on. Is anybody hearing me? How many know what my choices are? You moron. You can't. Do you know how long it took us to figure out how to do 14 pizzas? What is, what is wrong with you? So I'm back over and she's looking sheepish. And I said, hey, I just want you to know, I'm not upset at all. I really am not upset at all. I'm always curious how systems work and how they don't work. What happened? She said it was an accident, okay? <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm totally good with that. She said, I'm putting it back in right now. The screen froze. She's trying to tap to get it to go. A different screen came up. And while she's tapping, she hit cancel. Purely an accident. And I said, totally good. Let's do this again. I may, I may want something different. So we went through the whole thing, paid for it. Now here's how that works, watch. So I go back in to pick them up and they're changing shifts. And as they're changing shifts, there's another gal working. And she said to the gal that took my order, um, does he need to pay for those? And she said, he did pay for them. And I'm hearing this. And she said, there's nothing here that says he paid for those. And I have the receipt. I'm ready to come to bat if I need to. And she turned to her and said, I was here yesterday. I took his order and watched him pay. It's paid for. End of discussion. I would never have had an advocate if I'd been a jerk. And I would never have a chance to share the gospel if I'd been a jerk. Is anyone hearing me right now? We have to understand that our reason for being is this world is filled with broken people and we can't sit here and wait for them to come. We need to extend it to them. Is anyone hearing me this morning? We need to extend to them. It begins with us. It requires something of us. And it has to come from us. Are you extending? Because that's who we want to be. A church that's stretching, that's extending, trying to touch people. God, help us live up to the mission you've called us to. Could we stand together and just ask God to speak to your heart this morning? God, speak to our hearts today. Speak to our hearts today.
Jesus, would you put a burden in our hearts that we cannot ignore, a hunger that cannot be set aside to extend what you've given us to a world that's lost and dying. Let something miraculous happen in us. 
I ask in Jesus' name. I, wanted to, I, I don't know why. I just I want to tell you one more story about Jim Ultrogi, who's since passed away. Jim Ultrogi was a force to be reckoned with. He wasn't always easy to deal with. But I was 24, full of wisdom and insights. The younger I was, the more I knew. And he was in his late 50s. He was old enough to be my dad. And he was a strong enough personality, he could have crushed me. And he and I have talked about this before he passed over the years. Could have crushed me. But let me show you what else two and a half hours of prayer a day did. It changed him. And we were in a board meeting and I had a plan that he didn't like. And he said to me, I'm gonna argue with you in here until we're done because it won't work. But he said, here's what I will do. When we walk out of this room, I'm on your team. If you decide to do it, I'll give all I have to make it work, even though I don't agree with it. I felt like God had spoken to me. And we did this campaign that worked incredibly well. And he came to my office, sat down, and he said, thank you for being a leader. And I apologize. You were right and I was wrong. Only God can do that. And a man who could have crushed me with his strength spent time with God and built me into a leader, even though he was unaware. He didn't write a leadership book, but he heard from God. And that changes everything. Are you hearing me? We need to spend more time with God. So let God be your director. Let him be your source of strength. Let him put a burden on your heart and let's engage people for the kingdom. If you're new here this morning, there is a card in the chair pocket in front of you that we'd love to be able to connect with you. If you'd fill that out and drop it in the box, it'll help us get better acquainted. Or you can go to our website, brianhub.com. And from there, you can also find a digital connect card that will allow us to connect with you. And if you do that, We'll make a donation in your name to a charity that you select because we want to get to know you. And I also want to not, not ever neglect saying thank you for your faithful giving. While we've changed our methodologies, you can still give in person, you can give in the mail, you can give online, and God blesses people who give. Amen? Thank you for your faithful, generous giving. God bless you. If you love Jesus, let me hear your hands this morning. Amen. Let's reach this world. Let's extend to them. Extend your hand to someone nearby and let them know you love them today.